Amen. Welcome to Church on the Hill. That is my beautiful wife, Elizabeth. We're so glad you're here. Still got some holes out there in the congregation. I believe people are traveling today after spring break. Oh, back to school. I hear that baby crying. Back to school. Back to school. That baby's crying because their brothers and sisters are leaving them again. Mom and dad are cheering, are counting the minutes. It's back in school. All right. Um, if you'll bring my PowerPoint up, we are still in the Sermon on the Mount, and um, I'm telling you, if you will allow Jesus to change your life, He will change your life. This song we just sang, I've Been Delivered, I am telling you, it is time to get free. And I believe that Jesus' desire when He started preaching was to set His people free. He is there trying to educate his followers to know where their hang-ups are. What are the things that are keeping you from breakthrough? And church, I believe what we're going through over the last few months and over the next coming months are the keys to you getting free. Today's a big one. Today's on marriage. But if, you, if you've been following with me, now over the next two weeks, we're going to be looking at two different truths that Jesus highlighted. Now, if you've got your Bibles, turn to chapter Matthew chapter 5. That's where we're staying. I would encourage you through the week, be reading Matthew chapter 5. Read Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. It is Jesus's teaching. Nobody can teach you better. <clears throat> it is Jesus's teaching. There is no spinning it. There is no getting away from it. It is the truth. But we're going to see two points, and if you're in your Bible in Matthew chapter 5, you can see mine is kind of broken into sections. But we're going to be looking at two different truths over the next two weeks. Jesus started Matthew chapter 5 with the eight Beatitudes, in order, and, as those, and in order to do that, he highlights six, kind of getting choked up, six temptations that may keep us from letting these beatitudes, I like to consider them as flowers trying to come up in your garden. You plant, you plant. How, how many of you have started your garden yet? Is it time yet? Is it a little early? It's a little early. We're talking about it already. The sun comes out, the squirrels were everywhere. We started thinking, is it time to do our garden? What happens when you plant a garden? Weeds come up. And that's what wants to happen here. I believe Jesus is showing us in Matthew chapter 5 are these temptations or these weeds or these things that come at us to try to keep us from being successful in the Beatitudes. But not just that we avoid the negatives, we've got to go and do the positives. You're going to see where we go next time in the next few weeks is going to be Matthew chapter 6 where he starts giving the positives, the things to help fertilize, the things to help encourage you to be able to do these eight Beatitudes. We've already looked, we started the last few weeks, we've already done the spirit of murder or anger, if you remember that. Two weeks ago, I taught on the spirit of immorality or adultery. Today and next week, we're going to be looking at divorce or marriage in God's view and also in our word, in keeping our word. That's where we're going to be looking at. Today, we're going to be looking at people that disregard Christians, that disregard the sanctity of marriage, which is so common in the church. Or maybe we just recognize that it exists, but we don't place any importance. We don't place the importance on the sanctity of marriage that God does. And then next week, we're going to be looking at how we don't keep our word. 
how important our word is. The very health of society and the health of the church, the health of family life lies in the balance of God's people continually resisting this temptation to minimize these two topics, marriage and our word. To hold to the truth that are behind what Jesus is calling us to hear. In Jesus' name, let us hear your word today. Now, on the subject of the sanctity of marriage, let me tell you, it's not popular in the church. Jesus' teaching is not popular in the church. And let me tell you something, Jesus is the most wise and he is the most loving. And he knows what's best for the church and he knows what's best for our nation. And I want to stand with what's right, whether it's popular, don't we all agree? That we stand on God's word. I have confidence that his word is right, but I also want to teach this today for our 20-somethings, for our teenagers, for our kids that are coming up that aren't married yet. To teach you how much God values marriage and God values covenant. And that you would learn, young people, to deeply value the sanctity of marriage and the marriage covenant, even if you may be getting married in years to come. We've got to learn the value. We've got to learn to value the covenant and to live in faithfulness to God and to our spouse. Now, in marriage, the goal is to like your spouse. And many people don't, even in the church. But listen to me, church, there's a covenant that's bigger than what's going on in your moment right now. Than what's going on in this season of your life. But we also need to know that we need to train our children and those around us the biblical principles of marriage and covenant. This issue is under such attack, and there is so much compromise in the body of Christ, and we want to be faithful witnesses of the truth. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. You're probably right, but we want the truth. Do we want the truth? Say, I want the truth. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us, God, give us the truth. Disregarding the sanctity of marriage, let's dive right in. Matthew chapter 5, verse 31. It's been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce, but I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. It's pretty strong, isn't it? Jesus comes right out of the box, and he's going to hit them right right where it counts. And it's important to know that Jesus gives, doesn't give a complete statement on marriage. He's not teaching just on marriage and how to have a successful marriage. He doesn't give all the Bible has to say on the subject of marriage. He's aiming at two specific things. He's aiming at showing the man who is initiating the divorce. He's aiming at showing him the danger that he is putting his soon-to-be ex-wife in. Do you see this? 
And Jesus is actually talking to the Pharisees in this teaching. The, the religious teachers of the day and these religious teachers had a casual approach to divorce. And Jesus is saying, do you understand what kind of danger you're putting this woman in? Another thing Jesus is doing is he is showing the physical bond created through sexual intimacy. He's showing how important and sacred that bond is and that that bond supersedes many other issues. So he's not pretending to give a complete statement on marriage, but he's pointing to two issues very clearly. Are you with me so far? All right, this is not a marriage seminar. This is a Matthew chapter 5, verse 31 and 32 seminar. Okay? All right, so let's read it again. Matthew 5, 31 and 32. It's been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you, now wait, now you, I, want you to listen, I want you to read this in context. Jesus is saying, this is what you're saying. Anybody who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. Then Jesus is clarifying But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Jesus starts off saying, it's been said. And you know, this is a typical approach. Jesus has already shown this a few times already. He's saying, I know what you're saying. First, he says what the religious leaders are saying in a day which was wrong. But you know what? There's always an element of truth to what these religious leaders are saying. If it wasn't, no one would listen to it. But there's always an element of truth there, but they spin it in a way that minimizes much more important truths. So in in total, the Pharisees' teaching, it was incorrect. Jesus is saying, here's what the leaders say, but here's what I say. Now, what the Pharisees were emphasizing is that whoever divorces his wife, they have to give him a legal certificate of divorce. He has to fulfill the legal aspect and give her a certificate. Now, back in the Old Testament, Moses did command that. He said, when you go through a divorce, you need to give her a certificate. And that was for her benefit, for her to be free. Well, they completely perverted what Moses said and made the giving of the certificate the only thing necessary. And they were basically saying that that was God's command. That was the only command. Just give her a certificate and you're free. They said you can divorce for any reason you want, but you have to obey. But we're going to obey God and you got to give her a certificate. Can you feel the the thickness in what they're saying, we're going to obey God. Make sure you give her a certificate if you get divorced. How many of you have hung on to half the truths? We're going to hang on to half the truth, and we're going to stand on that, and we're going to be very righteous and legalistic, and we're going to hang on to that half truth. We're just going to let the other half not even be said. Maybe no one will ever even bring it up. To be honest with you, they may not have even known it. It might have been what they were taught. Are you with me? So we're just going to do part of it. And that part of it was right. It wasn't wrong, but, but, but we're missing the whole thing. Jesus is saying, this is so off the mark of what he was saying through his uh, servants in the Old Testament. In essence, the Pharisees were saying, it's okay to be divorced as long as you go through the legal procedure. Make sure you give her a certificate. They were focusing on the legality 
man, I do that. It is easy to become legalistic. They were focusing on the process, not the sanctity of the marriage covenant at all. And Jesus is saying, you've completely missed it. You have completely missed the heart of marriage. And these Pharisees were so casual in their approach to divorce and marriage. Is that where we are today? Yes. Everybody say yes. Thank you. Through church history, there are two biblical reasons for divorce and marriage. The first one, of course, is adultery. That one partner commits adultery and that breaks the physical bond. The covenant that was established in the flesh... And the second would be desertion. Now, the Apostle Paul points this out, and what he's talking about is desertion because of the faith. Two unbelievers get married, one gets saved, and the other one says, I'm not staying with you any longer as long as you choose Jesus. You either choose Jesus or you choose me. And that person that's unsaved walks off. Are you all with me? But I want to tell you, Jesus only teaches the, Jesus is only teaching on divorce only reason for divorce is sexual immorality. Paul comes back and clarifies it a little bit differently, uh, the same, but adds to it just a little bit. Remember now, this isn't a comprehensive teaching. Jesus is focusing on two things. The woman who is the victim, the peril of the woman, because the man is initiating divorce, and there has been no unfaithfulness. Now catch this, there has been no unfaithfulness in this marriage. Right? There's not been adultery. There's, the divorce is going on, but no adultery. So Jesus is saying, wait a minute, we've missed it. And he has a trivial reason for divorce. This man has a trivial reason for divorce. And Jesus is telling the man, how dare you subject her to this danger? How dare you subject her to this kind of situation with God and man? But another thing that Jesus is saying, that the sanctity of the sanctity of the physical bond of marriage, this mysterious union that God declared back in Genesis chapter 2 when he said the man and the woman would become one flesh. And that's a mysterious reality that God declared. Let's look at it here. God, God, marriage, God's view. Now the Pharisees were looking at this from one view, right? What view were they looking at it from? From the legal the legal standpoint. Two parts. The first, there is a spiritual dimension that has a legal aspect to it, meaning a holy covenant is made between a man and a woman that is witnessed by other people and is sanctioned, confirmed, and authorized by the state. You know Romans chapter 13, God gave the state the power to sanction marriage. That's why we have, that's why you stand before a pastor or before a justice of the peace. These people that have common law marriages where they're just living together but they've never been married and the government looks at them as married, in God's eyes, they're not married. They can say they're married. They can do everything that married couples do, but they're not married. God created marriage. Not man, not the government. God. But this is what the Pharisees were focused on, the legal part of what the state would sanction you got to give her legal release. And they were missing the point about what Scripture said about divorce and marriage. Legal is an important part. But there's a second part to this, and it's the physical. The physical part. There is a consummation between two people becoming one flesh. And parents with kids in here, relax, it's not going to get bad. 
A sexual union outside of marriage to single people, that does not constitute them being married because they have a physical union. There needs to be an exchange of vows witnessed by others and sanctioned or endorsed by the state. That's God's view. What happened? I'm going to let them keep working on it. That's God's view. That's marriage from a biblical point of view, how it is established. And the way that marriages end in both, in God's eyes, is both parts have to be dealt with. The legal and the physical. The legal commitment must be ended, the certificate, the legal process that you go through, that the state sanctioned. God sanctioned the state, gave them permission. But the problem with the Pharisees is they ended it there, and Jesus is saying, it doesn't end there. Now, I want you to know this is, a, this is a message of complete love. Do you know why God's saying this? Do you know why Jesus is saying this? He's saying, because you got chains around your neck and you don't even know it. And I have come to give you truth. You're living in an untruth, and I'm here to give you truth. I'm not giving you this to make you feel bad. I'm not giving you this to stomp on you. I'm giving you this to set you free. Jesus' teaching on marriage and divorce was not given to us to make us feel like we're, 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 we're nothing. It's to make us get right with God. It's so easy to take the Word of God and take it from two different perspectives, from a negative or from a positive. I want you to know in every case, it's positive. It's love. It is a, a desperate try to rescue you from the pit of hell. Jesus is trying with everything that he has to rescue you. What you're going through today, I want you to know Jesus has given everything for you. But you've got to take it. The Lord is saying, you are walking around. These Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is all about talking about you got chains all over you, pulling you down, dragging you down, and I want you to be free. I love you so much that I'm going to show you what's gotten hung up in your life. I like having a friend like that. Not someone that's putting chains around my neck, someone that's pulling chains off of me. You know, it's what's happening. I'm just going to give a quick shout out. And I'm not going to take but just a minute. My wife and I have gone through Financial Peace University. And what I feel like Financial Peace University is very similar to what we're walking through here in the, in the Beatitudes is it's finding out ways to get the chains of financial burden off of you. It's not to make you live a life that of... of depression and you want to fall into that you want to feel like I can't even live my life that's not it at all it's getting free so you can live your life like no one else will live it later but we got to get the chains off Lord let us see our sin let us see Lord I ask you just to show us to get let us be free today get free today it doesn't end there there's another part in other words, adultery has to be committed. Now, if adultery doesn't happen before the divorce, both of them are faithful. Jesus said the bond is not broken. Legally, it's broken, but physically, it's not broken. They're not divorced yet in God's eyes. They're divorced in the state's eyes, but it's not complete. But until one of the couple commits a physical sexual act somewhere down the road, it may be 10 years down the road, but in God's eyes, when that act is committed, it finalizes and breaks the covenant 
of marriage. The Pharisees didn't like it. They wanted it easy. That's the way the world wants it. Things don't work out, just get divorced. What you don't realize is the, the, the noose you're sticking your head into. The chains that are going to come on you. They want it easy. They want the legal process, one and done. That it was over. Jesus says, no. Jesus is saying that marriage is bigger than the legal agreement. He's saying, do you not understand the value and the sanctity of the physical bond in the marriage covenant? It's bigger than a legal process. Matthew chapter 19, Jesus goes in a little bit deeper into the teaching on marriage. He says in Matthew 19 verse 8, if you're already in Matthew 5, flip over to this one if you want. But he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. Do you know what he's saying? This wasn't God's ideal situation. This isn't even what God wanted, but because of the hardness of heart, God gave a way out. It was not his desire. It was a concession. And when Moses said this, he wasn't commanding people to get a divorce. He was allowing them to. But the Pharisees perverted the teaching saying, Moses commands us to give a lady a divorce. We have to do it. I want to obey God. So let's give her a certificate. Jesus says, you just completely distorted my word. Because of hardness of heart, God allowed it. Now, the hardness of heart is one problem in marriage. The one member who was unfaithful, unfaithful sexually, that's because of hardness of heart. But the hardness of heart has another dimension. Let's say one of, one of the two have been unfaithful, but now they want to reconcile. The dynamics have been created to build this foundation of trust. And so many times it's so hard to step back into any type of trust again. Jesus said, because of the hardness of heart, God permits the marriage to end if there was physical unfaithfulness. And the dynamics are so tough sometimes that you cannot establish trust again. And it's not just that the woman can't trust the man. Sometimes even the man's defensiveness of the woman, and she's mad at his defensiveness, and he's mad, and she's mad, and here we go. We got the cycle of the crazy cycle. Um, that, that, that leads me to a, a marriage conference that we're going to have in the, in the fall in August called Love and Respect. And I, I've, kind of been, I've kind of been pointing that toward people with marriages in trouble. It's not just for people with marriages in trouble. It's people for, that's got good marriages. Um, I've got a great marriage. Is it, is it tough sometimes? Of course it is. Marriage is, is um, challenging at times. Uh, but I will tell you, I believe I got revelation from reading this guy's book, Love and Respect. Um, so I want to encourage you We've just had a situation of a family that's, gone, that, that's filed for divorce and is now reconciling. And I want to encourage you married couples, if you are not working at your marriage, it will sneak up and bite you. If you're just making it, if you're just going along and living your life and nothing, you're not investing into each other at all, eventually your tank will go empty and there will be no reserves. 
You've got to work at your marriage. You've got to work at your relationships. You've got to invest into each other. You've got to invest. Do it now. You may be about to fall apart now. Start investing. You know, if you, if you stop investing into your checking account, it'll eventually run out. And you know, the bank will let you keep spending. In fact, they probably encourage it. And then they'll come looking for you. And then they'll start taking stuff. Same thing with your marriage. You'd better start pouring into it. Somebody say amen. Thank you. Verse 9, Jesus adds another dimension that he didn't say back in Matthew 5. Jesus is focusing on the peril of the woman and how bad it was for the man to do this to his ex-wife and that it was cruel. And he was actually defending the woman, but he tells the man in verse 9, you're not off the hook either. You're causing her to commit adultery, but you're committing adultery. You too. You're not off the hook. But the idea in this setting is that neither the man nor the woman have been unfaithful to each other physically. Jesus Jesus gave only one reason for divorce, immorality. Now we can look at both situations. We can look at the woman that's been unfaithful to the man. The man's the victim. But throughout this message, I'm going to be talking about the man being unfaithful to the woman because, number one, I'm a man. Number two, that's how Jesus presented it. So I'm going to present it like he presented it. Okay? All the women said amen. Amen. Okay, thank you. You know, people will come to me sometimes in marriage issues and say, listen, my pastor is caught up in my pastor. My, my husband is caught up in pornography. And let me tell you, church, being addicted to pornography is wrong. It's terrible. It will ruin your life. It will ruin your relationships. It will ruin your marriage. It's wrong and it's a sin. There is a defiling presence on your marriage and on your life. And I don't want to minimize this. But Jesus is saying here, grounds for divorce, it takes a physical act. Okay, we'll have, we'll have another time to talk about uh, spirits of, we, we've gone over the spirit of immorality. But here's the principle. The idea is that two people, they have irreconcilable differences for whatever reason, and they separate and divorce, but there's been no physical immorality involved. There's been no unfaithfulness in their marriage. So, through, so though the legal bond is broken, the physical bond is not broken. And the one that breaks the physical bond first, being involved in se- sexually, sexually with another person, that's when the adultery takes place in God's point of view, and that's when the marriage covenant is broken. broken. So as I close today, I want to encourage you. It is my desire that we stand with Jesus, that we allow truth to be spoken into our heart, to understand what Jesus is saying here. I want you to hear me. I am not trying to end your marriage and throw it all away, but trying to gain some truth. I'm trying to speak some truth of God's Word into your heart so that you can repent. You know our way to get free is repentance. Look to your right and look to your left. There's sinners beside you. There's no other way of getting free but repentance. I'm about to give you a chance to get out from under these chains, but you've got to take it. Do you know repentance is a gift?
Help us, Lord. Can I tell you, what's done is done. The blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all your sin, not just this one. The blood of Jesus will cleanse you. Do you hear me? The blood of Jesus will cleanse you. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. There is no reason to walk along any longer with sin being drugged behind you. It's been paid for. What's done is done. The blood of Jesus will cleanse you from your past. And now that you know some truth from Jesus' teaching from the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord is leading you to repentance. Do you know what God's wanting? The Lord is wanting you to come before Him and acknowledge His Word and His truth. Jesus is saying, I just want to show you the truth, and the truth will set you free. You've been walking around with this chain around your neck, and I want you to get them off. And if you have any sin in your life, repent. It's as simple as that. Just say to the Lord, whether we knew it or whether we didn't know it, whether we understood your word clearly or we didn't understand it at all, today, Father, we acknowledge it as truth. We acknowledge it to you and we ask you to forgive us of what we have walked through in the past. And Father, we want to live in the gratitude of knowing that you know what happened in our lives and you graciously forgave us anyway. You're not hiding anything from him. He already knows. He already knows. So why not be free of it? Whenever I've stepped over a line in my life, I don't want to try to trick God and try to present it to God with Scripture that spins it in my favor. Have you ever done that? Don't do that. You might fool your neighbor. You won't fool God. Don't, don't try to fool God. That's stupid. Don't try to cr trick God with Bible verses. You know who did that? Satan. We go before the Lord and say, Father, I blew it. I failed. I've sinned. Here I am, Lord. I'm at your mercy. You love me. And I receive your forgiveness. And I thank you for truth. And Lord, I leave that at your cross and I make a commitment today to leave that there and to not pick it back up. And Lord, I'm not going to walk in that sin anymore. And you know what? It becomes a, becomes a part of my internal story and my internal journey. You know, and it may be something that I know, but everybody else doesn't know. Do you know you don't have to go shout your, you don't have to show your dirty laundry to everybody? You don't have to do that. But it creates a gratitude and an awareness and a caution in my life. And I want to encourage you couples that have crossed this line. And it's a part of your new marriage. 
acknowledge it before God. Repent and put it under the blood of Jesus and be done with it. I've got an expression in my life, and it's right where I am in this message. Let's be done. Can we just be done? I come to places in my life of frustration, and I look at people across my desk or in my home and just say, can we just be done? You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, I've paid every price. And it's his desire, Jesus' desire to say, it's done. It's done. Put it at the cross. Once and for all. Once and for all. It's done. We all pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for a God that we serve that we can come and bear all to. And Lord, when we bear it all to you, that is a place of complete love and restoration. It's a place of complete love and not rejection. It's a place that you come and you take us back just like we are. Can we start there? You may be here today and you may be just a, somebody who is just living, living the wrong life. You've just missed it in so many different areas. Maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's pornography, maybe it's you've got a lying spirit. Maybe you just feel like you're no good. I want you to know you're living with a chain. You're living with a, a chain that's a lie telling you you're no good. I want you to know God's Word says that you were beautifully and wonderfully made. You He's talking about you. But the, the Father sent His Son. He says that God loved us so much that He sent His Son. God so loved the world that He sent His Son for you to set you free. Marriages that are in trouble, marriages that have walked through sin. Father God sent His Son that you might be free. That you would receive Him and that the blood of Jesus would cover, cover you completely. Maybe you've never made that decision for Jesus. Maybe you need to repent and come back and apply the blood to your life. Is that you? Maybe you're just, you're, 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 you've been saved, but you're back in sin. Maybe you're just, you've fallen back. Is that you? Can I just ask you all, with every head bowed, I want you to make a statement of faith right here. I want you to raise your hand up. That's me. I need the blood of Jesus to cover me again. I need the blood of Jesus. I see that hand. I see that hand. I need the blood. I see that hand. I need the blood of Jesus to cover me again. Jesus, I love you so much, but I have slipped. I've slipped. And I need to be free. Is that you? 
Father, I just ask right now, those that raise their hand in faith, that as they're praying right now to be forgiven, I just encourage you that raise your hand, be praying right now to yourself to be forgiven, that you forgive them, Lord, and that, that the blood of Jesus covers them. Maybe you're sitting out there and you didn't raise your hand, but you need the blood of Jesus. Father, I just ask you to, I know you know the hearts of men. I know you know our thoughts before we ever even think it. Cover us with the blood of Jesus. I pray for restoration of marriages in Jesus' name. I pray for a spirit of repentance to be upon this church and that we would walk in complete freedom and that when we sin, we would get up and we would turn around and we would ask for forgiveness again. Thank you, Lord, for victory and for freedom. Father, there may be some here. You may be here and say, look, I, I have the sin of adultery. Right where you sit, I want you to ask for freedom. I want you to ask for forgiveness. I have a problem, Lord. Forgive me of the spirit of immorality, of the spirit of adultery. And I ask you in Jesus' name to break that off of me. Church, I can't do it for you. The, the Lord has given you the power over sin. Freedom in Jesus' name. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the Sermon on the Mount. I thank you for truth. And Lord, we are committed to walk in truth. Thank you, Lord. We all stand up with me just in victory. I want you to know some people are getting free. Those that are praying with me, y'all come on down. We're just going to open this aisle. Maybe you didn't step out. Maybe you didn't raise your hand. Step out now if you need prayer for any reason. Maybe it's for health. Maybe it's for finances. Whatever. Step out. Step out in faith. That's our first move is a move of faith. Let us pray with you.